Hey, Rachel. Hey, Brian. So how was your week? Well, it was terrible, but now it's not. Tell me why. Well, we are together in the same room. For the first time in like 18 months? Maybe longer. Maybe longer. We're sitting here across my dining room table the way Nope was meant to be, where it was The way it always was. Right, where it was born. (laughs) And I forgot how to set up the... Set up here. We used to doing this over Zoom now, and yeah, there are a lot of wires. There's a lot of microphones. Connectors. Stands. I've upgraded my computers, and nothing fits in anywhere anymore. <laughs> but I think, frankly, it's going to sound much better. The yes, sound is. I know. How are our listeners ever going to go back? <laughs> <There's> no, can't <laughs> can't ever go back. It's going to well, sound so. We're buttery. not going to do this every week because yeah. there's a pain in the ass for you to get here. But I appreciate you coming. I appreciate being here. It is a delight. So let's kick this off. Yes. This is Nope, the podcast where we shut it down. <laughs> We're just a couple of New York Jews Talking about the news Beating back the blues We made a podcast and here's why Had to laugh so we don't cry Come and join us for the ride Welcome to No So Rachel, um, we're here, and one thing you may notice about the outside is that it is pitch, pitch black. It might as well be like midnight. It's like early evening, and I it's pitch black. This is the most depressing time of year for me. Not that it's the darkest time of year. That happens on December 21st. Mm-hmm. It's that it's the shift that gets you. It's the fact that one day you're coming out of work at 5 o'clock, and it's still a little light out. Maybe you go for a run. Maybe you sit outside, and then boom, boom. it's getting dark at 3.30. It's like you're in the Arctic Circle. And if you're a parent, it's like your kid is still waking up at 5.30 in the morning right. every day. Right. So. And now what you may not know, although what I, I suspect some of our listeners know, is that I am the world's <laughs> foremost authority on daylight saving time. Yes. And you told me this and I was like, who I am an anointed influencer. you? <laughs> I am a day t- daylight saving time influencer. Yeah. Um, which is why I can tell you that it is exactly 123 days until the next daylight saving times kicks in. Time okay, kicks in. Okay, well, that's not that many and days. And if you follow me on Twitter, which you should at Brian Heck, you will note that I do a countdown every year as we begin to get closer to that 90 days, 60 days, 30 days, and then you know every week and then every day leading up to it. Because it's all very exciting. The excitement yeah. is mounting. Yes. It's already mounting. And we only have six weeks until it's the darkest day of the year. Okay. Um, and so it's always darkest before the dawn. <laughs> like literally in this case. So, so I'm, that's great. I'm that's really something looking, to look forward to. <laughs> grasping at straws here. Grasping at straws. Yes. Well, um, I have a little story about something that happened this past weekend. Yes, One of the share. hallmarks for me of returning to normalcy is being able to go back to the movies again. Yep. And um, during the last few weeks when I pulled out my winter coat, because it was a chilly day or something, I pulled out a ticket stub for a movie that I had seen at the end of February, and it was Little Women, uh-huh. um, which I hated. Um, but it was probably just doing the mental math. It was probably the last movie I saw before the pandemic in a theater. Okay. And um, we decided that we were going to go see a movie this weekend uh, on Sunday. But Doug went to go see a movie on Saturday. He went to go see The Bond that I have no interest in. Okay. So he went to The Bond, which is like 50 hours long, which is part of the reason I didn't want to go see it. Right. I hate long movies. Um, and But it even took him longer than I would expect. And he came back, and I said, how was the movie? Was it long? (laughs) (laughs) And he said, it was even longer. I'm like, what did they do? Did you see, like, the director's cut? Yeah. He said, no, halfway through, the movie stopped. And nobody 
told the projectionist if they even have those anymore, the manager, finally, I got up and told them. And they were like, oh, sorry. And they started the movie again. From the start. No, <laughs> from where it left <laughs> <Okay>. off. <laughs> Thereby adding another 20 minutes to a already three-hour-long movie. Okay. Um, but they uh, gave him a ticket for a free ticket for another movie, okay. which is great. So we decided to go the next day to see Dune. Okay. Um, which I've wanted to see, which also happens to star Timothée Chalamet, just like yes, Little I Women. Yes, I know. I've tried to watch it several <laughs> times. I fall but I don't asleep want to watch it on HBO. Time. I want to watch. Okay. Actually, I want to watch it on my Oculus because I've. Josh is like ready to murder me. It's like we've watched the beginning of Dune. <laughs> That's like, how I was so when I read the books. I started like I know the first fifty pages of Dune by heart. <laughs> After that, I and I just fall asleep. I don't know. I try. I try to pay attention, but I can't. So, in fact, Doug couldn't. He had. We had already purchased the tickets to Dune so he couldn't redeem his free ticket, so he wound up paying for two, Dunes? whatever. Dunes, okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, one Bond and one Dune, <laughs> and then another Dune for me. So we go, we're going to make a whole afternoon out of it because it's also like three hours, right? Mm-hmm. And it's only part one. And we go in and sit down, and it's not even the trailers. You see like the ads before the trailers. Right. And then the ads are clearly ending, and we're ready for the trailers to begin, and there's darkness. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so this is the same theater that Doug went to? (laughs) Real Battery Park City. Okay. Okay. So we're sitting there for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and then Doug decides to go tell them. Again, he's like Paul Revere of like 15 minutes is the limit. That's when you notify authorities, right? So he goes in and he comes back. He said, oh, it was some technical problem. They're fixing it. It'll be on any minute. Okay. I will fast forward. This was a weird exercise in like collective sociopathy or like, <laughs> like or sunk costs. It was something in there. Anyway, we sat there for 55 zero minutes. Until it went back on or until you both no, just decided no, to No, no, until... <laughs> Doug went out again. And normally I'm like the alpha who will like go out and like kick some ass. Well, at this point, it's like you're enraged, you know? Oh, like, yeah. Although I'm strangely not enraged. I was just sort of like succumbed to the situation, to the like nothing regal works anymore. Like you can't just go to a regal theater and like watch a movie. Like you have one job. <laughs> Play the fucking movie, right? So he comes back and he says that um, they're really sorry but it messed up because of daylight saving time. <laughs> like, I guess it was scheduled on like, it. Nobody runs the movies what? anymore. It's all automated. Yeah. So I guess it was programmed to go at a certain time, and then it went an hour later. Okay. But Although you can't it should really do the other <laughs> I guess if we had just waited another 10 minutes, time would have caught up with us, yeah. and it would have actually come on. But then the manager came in and said that not only would they refund the movie. First of all, she said, if you want to go to another theater, we're playing in another theater. I'm like, fuck you. I already lost an hour of my life to do. Wait, so every time you go to the movies, you're going to get like more movie tickets. You're going to be like drowning in movie tickets by the end of the So year. you can get a refund, which we did, plus another set of movie tickets. Okay. So now we, yes, correct. It's we like are multiplying. Drowning. <laughs> it's like the ponzi scheme and you in have reverse. to keep going and then they don't show but i don't want to go <laughs> anymore i don't want to go to the movies i'll watch it on hbo oh my gosh point. on demand it's the element of demand That's right that, that right. is so appealing like 
Anyway, wow. so that was uh, that was the highlight of my wow. uh, post-pandemic that, weekend. That knock on wood. Really, that's fascinating. <laughs> okay, uh, Rachel, you have a really good note that I know nothing about yeah. except for the headline. So. Go ahead, hit yeah, it. Yeah, I'm just going to... I had planned to talk about Big Bird, the latest you know, character in the culture wars, and Let's Go Brandon, which is now like the rallying cry of the right. But I think I'd rather talk about weddings. I don't know about oh, you. Oh, yeah. No, I've been to two weddings in the last couple of months, and they were delightful. It's, Summer weddings, they were fantastic. Summer weddings or fall weddings are delightful. So, But I want to talk about the wedding of Ivy Love Getty, who is a 26-year-old heiress. She's the great-granddaughter of J. Paul Getty. Heard that name. Um, Familiar. And she married a guy named Tobias Alexander Engel, who is a photographer. Engel? Engel. Jew? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Engel, yeah. It probably. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever heard of these people other I've than the last name? I've heard of the na- last name Getty. Other than that, nothing. No. Nothing. Right. Okay. Drawing so I similarly <laughs> had no idea who Ivy Getty was until I read about her wedding in this huge spread in Vogue. Um, it was entitled Inside Ivy Getty's Fantasy Wedding Weekend in San Francisco. So it and it had a hundred photographs. So that's like for Vogue. Wait, like to, literally a hundred? Yes, they included a portfolio of one hundred photographs from this wedding. Must have been quite a wedding. <laughs> yes. So by the time I scrolled to the bottom of the story, I had transformed into like Che Guevara. Like <laughs> you wanted to like I wanted to just like burn it all down. Right. Like, nope. Death to capitalism. Yes. Okay. Yes. So before I go into the details of this wedding, let's remind ourselves that we are still in the middle of a pandemic. Yes. Right? Hopefully towards the end. But Hopefully yes. towards the end. But it, it's still, still going a on. pandemic. Yeah. And yes, there has been a recovery on the jobs front to some extent, but people are still hurting. Yes, right? Definitely. So it might this let's just think about like that in the context of this. Okay. In Ivy's world, <laughs> this does <laughs> this not, is not matter. A <laughs> so the wedding kicks off with a British invasion mod party at the Palace of Fine Arts in San Francisco. Like an Austin Powers kind Austin of Austin Powers, vibe. yeah. So this is Thursday night. Stanley Gatti, the event planner, said his inspiration for the first night of the festivities was Barbarella, the nineteen sixty eight sci fi film with starring Jane Fonda, Jane Fonda right. Yeah. So it took seven days for um, Stanley Gatti's team, not Getty Gatti, he's the design, <laughs> event designer. Of the, to, of the crime family. Right? <laughs> <laughs> to turn the, the space that normally feels like an airline hangar into a full-fledged nightclub complete with shiny silver walls. And everyone dressed up like Austin Powers, dancers put on a show. And so clear- that's like the rehearsal dinner. Yes, but you know who DJed? Mark Ronson. Yes. Oh, really? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and do you know who performed? Mark Ronson. <laughs> Earth, Wind, and Fire oh. took the stage. Okay. So, and of course, I. It wasn't Ivy, even September. It, no, I know. It's uh, They rewrote November. the song to be November. To be November, <laughs> yes. So Ivy wore three different looks throughout the evening. A vintage Emmanuel Ungaro dress with coral and diamond earrings from Stephen Russell. Then she wore a vintage Emilio Pucci dress, and then she wore a vintage Norman Norell dress. Okay, so the following day, this is Friday, (laughs) there's a picnic lunch at the log cabin on Presidio overlooking the city. So this is according to Vogue, quote, IV drips were at the ready for anyone in need of help recovering from the night before. (laughs) Wait, IV drips, not IV Getty. No, (laughs) intravenous (laughs) drips. Were available for anyone who needed to rehydrate. Was it like a blood mobile? 
So, okay, so Ivy, for this event, wore an archival Alexander McQueen gown from pre-fall 2016. It was black lace with an open back and a mock neck featuring dozens of hand-embroidered butterflies whose wings fluttered as she walked. Okay, and so then her wait, stylist... So wait, it flu- they, they fluttered. They flut- okay, this just sounds like a rich asshole wedding up to this point. Yeah, well, okay, okay so her stylist has the best quote. Butterflies are sentimental to Ivy, and so we incorporated them whenever possible. Including? Including on the dress. Okay. So then there's this intimate ceremony rehearsal at City Hall. The wedding was at at City Hall. And then there's a rehearsal dinner at the Quince Restaurant, which has uh, three Michelin stars and features a $360 tasting menu, not including wine pairings. So so that's where the rehearsal dinner was. The stylist told Vogue (laughs) that Ivy's accessories were kept sleek, but undeniably Ivy. Undeniably (laughs) Ivy? Like, who is this person? Never heard of this person. (laughs) Okay, so then the wedding day comes. It starts with a pajama party. Each bridesmaid gets a Margella box with her name engraved on it. And one of those bridesmaids, the maid of honor, in fact, was uh, Anya Taylor-Joy of the Queen's Gambit. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that, but I know it is, yeah. And the reason why there were Margella boxes is because you know who designed the bridesmaid's dresses? No. Fucking John Galliano. Really? Yes. So like John, custom... John Galliano, who is then quoted in the article saying, normally I don't do bridesmaid dresses. It's like these people don't do, <laughs> you know? But I was so bewitched by Ivy and her stories of these women she had grown up with, her bridesmaids. So I made an exception. Before I knew it, the bridesmaid numbers reached 14. Okay, so she has 14 that's bridesmaids. Like, by the way, that's like Alice Waters saying, I don't do children's parties. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you will do it if someone pays <laughs> enough you enough. Money, right. right. So there's 14 bridesmaids, each with a custom gown by John Galliano, costing, I don't even know what these things like. I don't know these things. Like 20,000 each or okay. something like that, you know? So then there's the ceremony. The event planner, Stan Lee, and his team carpeted the entire rotunda of San Francisco City Hall with bright teal and pink Persian rugs, completely transforming the space. They draped all the archways with turquoise and rose pink velvet drapes with 12-inch long gold thread fringe. Can you do that to City Hall? Is City Hall for rent? to? It apparently is, if you have enough money. Yep. So when you said they had a city hall wedding, I assumed it was like the justice of the peace. (laughs) (laughs) There's more. Like a Liz Lemon wedding. (laughs) Right, right. No. But no, no. So then Ivy comes in. She's wearing her John Galliano for Maison Margiela Haute Couture down the aisle. She's wearing a couture veil and a headdress. And all of these things are made out of shards of glass. (laughs) (laughs) Wait. Which has to be a metaphor for Wait, something. The dress? The dress. Is made of shards of glass. Shards of mirrors. Yes. Like woven together. And th- there's like a crown of like. It sounds dangerous. Sharp- a crown of thorns. <laughs> a crown of thorns <laughs> on top of her head. So, okay. So then there's music by Gordon Getty. The best man and Ivy's rescue chihuahua mix blue supplied oh, the rings God. at the request of House Speaker. Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> Wait, I did not <laughs> so, expect that curveball coming. Wait, what did Nancy Pelosi have to do with she this? She was their wedding officiant. Oh, my God. She, this is just, does she not understand optics? This woman has been in politics like, for 50 is, years. I know. How like, does this look? And you know who else was there? Mayor London Breed and Governor Gavin, Gavin Newsom. Newsom. Right. Like, I mean, I try. These people are so tone deaf. So tone deaf. I try to keep my criticism of Democrats to a low roar. The Republicans are so much 
worse and like attending a disgusting wedding. But this is what they hate about us. Yes. This is the shit they hate. This is the shit they hate. But like the fact that Nancy Pelosi presided over this abomination makes me think that like democracy is already gone, you know? Yeah. I mean, she gives zero fucks at her age. But like she's supposed to be the speaker of the House of Representatives. <laughs> Some dignity. Who is she who is she representing exactly? What constituency? Like is... I just I I mean it boggles the mind. Well, I think this says we need campaign finance reform because I'm yeah. sure there's a lot of Getty money in the Pelosi coffers. I'm sure, but like I think there should be a law prohibiting public officials wedding, wedding to participation <laughs> or attendance. <laughs> to, participate, to participate in weddings. I thought you were going to say that she was either a bridesmaid <laughs> or a flower girl. Nancy Pelosi is a bridesmaid. Yeah. She's like, oh, there's a golly on her dress. Sure, I'll take it. I did it for the dress. Make it, make it out to the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. Like, like really like are these people are like for rent basically yeah well i don't know they're just schmoozing with the upper echelons i i think like the optics of this they're terrible they're worse than terrible i was like i just wanted to crawl into this is why they hate us yeah this is why they hate us and we have the power this is a solvable problem this is a solvable problem don't go to fucking ivy getty's wedding (laughs) in just don't maybe like go or no, go to the after go. party go to the go, go to, to the, the rehearsal, the rehearsal dinner, dinner. At <laughs> respectfully go to quince at the <laughs> rehearsal dinner mask up double mask go to quince have some quince paste leave your broken glass at home, <laughs> at home. okay <laughs> okay so no that the wedding that. okay no wedding. to no, that wedding no to that Absolutely okay not. i'm gonna change topics very radically perhaps the most radical topic pivot We've ever done. <laughs> Hang on to your hats. <laughs> I'm going full Antipodean here. Okay. We're going to fly across the ocean and the hemispheres um, to go to New Zealand. Oh. Because I have a whole package of stories here, about by which New I mean to, not We're... just about New Zealand, but about New Zealand wildlife. Oh, good. Yes. Because I know that our we used to do a, a lot of Australia, New Zealand stories. And by the way, Karen Novak, who was our executive producer, but I think doesn't listen to the (laughs) podcast anymore, (laughs) lived in New Zealand. She Um, did. Yeah. So anyway, so here's what's been going on in New Zealand in the wildlife front. I've been wondering. (laughs) As your correspondent. Okay. So every year, you may not know this, in New Zealand, there is a heated competition, a vote for bird of the year, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it is a favorite bird from among their 200 native species. Um, and they take it very seriously. It's almost like Eurovision is to Europe. Bird of the year is to New Zealand. But <laughs> you already <laughs> have questions. questions. Yes. Is it a species of bird or is it yes, one Yes, you particular... vote on the species. No, no, no. It's not like the Westman or Westminster <laughs> thing. There's a particular prize bird that no less weird than this, really. It's the species of bird. Um, and this year, there were 50... Uh, it, you can vote from anywhere in the world where there were 57,000 voters. <laughs> can I vote for that? Yes, you can vote. I can vote. They let next, people from other nations? Next year, mark your calendar. We're going to vote. Maybe we'll have, just like Elon Musk with the Tesla stock, maybe we'll have our listeners vote <laughs> And we will cast our votes. We should campaign. We should totally campaign. We should (laughs) evaluate the ballot. Okay. So um, this year, the winner 
was not a bird at all. It's okay. a scandal. Not a bird, but a long-tailed bat. And it goes by the name of Pika Pika Tua Roa. I like the name. I think the race was hacked. <laughs> Wait. And it was a landslide. And the second place was the lesser short-tailed bat. So this was a, the, the, the bats swept the... <laughs> the bird? That's not fair. Bats are bird. not birds. <laughs> bats are not birds. How could you even... Why were they even eligible? Well, they, they were put forth, and I'll tell you why in a second. They were put forth because... Um, they wanted to give them recognition. <laughs> like the, the, they were um, they felt slighted. Yes, well, I'll tell you why in a second. The third place went to a large flightless parrot called a kakapo, um, okay. and that actually won last year. I guess you can win. You can enter more than. What one about year's. the kookaburra? Like what? Like, I'm getting to all the other okay. birds. There's plenty of birds <laughs> in this segment here. <laughs> However, I'm asking the right questions. Oh, though, oh right? you're on the, the. You're a journalist by trading. I know. I know. <laughs> you could tell just by the question. I could sniff it out. <laughs> so now, of course, it was such a landslide by such an unlikely entrant, this uh-huh. bat, that some are saying that the the election was stolen. I definitely. Yes. And there is a stop the steal movement yeah. <laughs> in New Zealand. I can get behind that. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's complicated. But just like our balloting system, they have some sort of like elaborate. They do the balloting by the same system that they elect their public officials with which Uh is some sort of like electoral allocation with an instant runoff and there's like a history of ballot stuffing it's a disaster (laughs) um so laura keown who's the spokesperson of this thing this bird of the year competition uh justified the inclusion of bats this year by saying because of new zealand's lack of mammals bat of the year was going to be a very boring competition it just felt like a nice opportunity to highlight this critically endangered native species and bring them from the darkness into the light this is spin if i ever heard it (laughs) this is like the product of like a crisis comm session yes oh totally what do we say like what do we right but we put the bats in it's a novelty we didn't expect they'd win It's like Trump running for president. It is like exactly that. The, the, the batch of the Trumps. Okay, so I there was an illusion in this article that was in the New York Times, page D eight, mm-hmm. um, the other day, and there was an allusion to a troubled history of the Bird of the Year contest in New Zealand. So of course I. Why did they bury it on D eight? <laughs> is my question. Like they're clearly trying to cover it up. Right. So <laughs> I had to I had to dig deeper because I am the foremost yeah. correspondent in this area. Yeah, you had to. Hemisphere. You had no choice. So it, there's a number of scandals going back to 2015. Okay. In 2015, two 15-year-old girls created a fake email and <laughs> cast fraudulent votes for the Kokako, <laughs> which is described as having a, a minimalist operatic five-note song. Okay. Who would not stuff the ballot? It doesn't sound Kaka bad. It sounds delightful. <laughs> and then in 2018, they detected automated voting for the rainbow lorikeet and the cockatoo and the black-throated finch. Okay. I feel like this is an easy system to hack. <laughs> well, I'm getting to that. Last year was the worst of all. 
they detected 1,500 fake votes and they suspected Russian interference. Of course. <laughs> there you go. Of there you course, are. Right. yes. So they had, a, after these scandals in the preceding few years, they hired an independent, <laughs> independent monitoring organization okay. <clears throat> called Dragonfly. Um, and the data scientists there, this is like Cambridge Analytica, right. the data scientists there detected votes, uh, fraudulent votes for the Kiwi Puka Puku Puku. Um, and, and they described the trends that they were looking at, the uh-huh. like anomalous data trends. And they said, when a bird gets a whole lot of votes in the middle of the night and zooms from the middle of the pack to the top of the ranks, that's a sign that something is amiss. No Obviously, shit, Obviously, you don't Sherlock. need a data like, scientist. And it, <laughs> I can tell you, know, you that. You don't need Jimmy Carter monitoring <laughs> the elections to tell you that there's no way that the the Puku Puku was the legitimate winner of the 2020 no. election. So anyway, um, while I applaud the spirit of this It's a great election, competition, and... It needs to be. It's, there it's needs a, to be it's reform. A, dis, the the disinformation campaigns, the social media, the election hacking. It's a microcosm of everything we're facing it as is. a society. It is. You it, may think the stakes are lower, but no, they are high. They, they are high indeed. They are as high as they can go. <laughs> <laughs> the ceiling can't help them. It's really, really bad. So um, I guess the up to the competition itself. No, they should end the competition or take a break. They should, Just until you can get your shit together. You secure the ballots. Stop. The- stop the steal. <laughs> in this case, yes. Yeah, stop the steal. Okay, nope. Okay. Shut this no, down. I'm going to stay not, in New no. Zealand, as okay. promised, with my uh, New Zealand. I don't know if this is really This was wild- the story that I sent you. <laughs> yes, I don't know if it's really wildlife. It's uh, nature. I thought you would like it because it involves someone named Doug. Oh, yeah, it does. Well, someone or something. (laughs) Yes. So um, there's a couple in New Zealand named Colin and Donna Craig Brown. So nice. They sound lovely. There's pictures of them a little odd, but um, (laughs) they were digging in their garden one day, and they came across something round and hard. Mm. And, of course, they thought it was some sort of fungoid growth. That's, okay. how, that's exactly what my first assumption would have been. Fungoid growth, of course. But then they kept digging, and they realized that it was a ginormous potato. Okay. When you say ginormous, like how, how? 17 pounds, which is the weight of a small dog. Wow. I know. That's what Coco weighed when I, when I got her. <laughs> when she was born. <laughs> no, like, so there's a picture, and literally you have to, like, stretch your arms to hold the whole thing. Wow. And it's really grotesque. There's, like, tumors coming out of it. Yeah, and it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's not, not a beautiful potato. No, you don't stuff it in the microwave for, like, uh, a quick quick zap right right this is a beast this is a beast so um they realized they had something special on their hands (laughs) (laughs) they adopted the potato (laughs) they called it doug because they dug it up yes because they dug it up and it has become a local attraction as you would expect they sometimes dress it up and put a hat on it um, they have had made a like a special <laughs> custom like cart that they wheel it around the I property. I have an idea. Actually. <laughs> yes, yes, that's your idea. <laughs> they should dress it up as a bird and run and it. enter it in the bird of the year competition. Right. They have to give it like a interesting New Zealand name, like a cuckoo dugu or yeah, something. Cuckoo dugu. <laughs> 
Absolutely. I'm all in favor of this. <laughs> so they adopted the potato. They dress it up. They call it a jug. They're wheeling it around on a cart. And then they applied to the Guinness Book of World Records. Which okay. is, like, if you have anything that's unusual, why do you have to apply to the Guinness Book of World like, Records? Like, is, anyone, is that even a thing anymore? Do you, like, call them and you were like, hi, Hello, Guinness the Book? Hello, hotline. It's is me. this Guinness? <laughs> it's me, Colin and Donna Craig Brown <laughs> in Wellington, New Zealand. I think we have a hot tip you might want to get on. There's this potato... <laughs> The crazy thing is that when Wait, they stay on the phone, we'll be right there. <laughs> What's your emergency? <laughs> Are you in immediate danger? Uh, yes and no. So the crazy thing is that Guinness already had an incumbent. <laughs> World's largest potato. Bigger than was done. Well, no, it's eleven pounds, not seventeen. But this was all in kilograms, so I had to ask Alexa what those are. Okay. Um. So it was eleven pounds, but until it was independently verified by the Guinness Book, they couldn't dethrone the eleven-pound potato. Okay. (laughs) Okay, because these are the stakes are high here. But was the eleven-pound potato also from New Zealand? I don't think so. Oh, there's no evidence for that because Guinness is very tight-lipped. If you didn't know this, very air. Tight communications department because the okay. the um I think it was the Independent in in England uh called Guinness to find out what the status of this record breaking potato was and they said they couldn't share information on the application. Oh, so it's very highly confidential. But then this takes a dark dark turn. What happens? Doug the potato started getting sick and Fungus. old. Fungoid? It just got sick and old. Okay. It started losing weight. Shriveling. Shriveling. Mold started to grow from its wounds. Okay. I don't know where the wounds came from. And the, the, the Colin Craig Brown said it started getting a bit pungy. Like pungent? Oh, pungy. Yeah, I didn't think of that. I guess yeah. smelly, right. So he put it in the freezer while they were awaiting the verdict. Um, so to me... This was, I was reflecting on this story, thinking long and hard about it. Being the heaviest potato in the Guinness Book of World Records is kind of like being in the Forbes 30 under 30. Yeah, I just feel like 99% of people who find a large potato don't make the call. Oh, so you think it's selection bias. Yeah, you think I that think like, there's larger potatoes that happen every day. Right, so the and- denominator is like <laughs> different. It's like of the potatoes of that the- have been reported. <laughs> This is the largest we know right, of. Most today. people are like, oh, it's a fucking large potato. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to. Or gonna, a fungoid. <laughs> Maybe they do? mistake it for a Call fungoid. Someone. Like, Call someone. <laughs> I've got shit and to do. And what's this you know? pride? That's what I'm saying. It's like Forbes 30 under 30. Like, there's that, given the granularity of the, the categories allegedly in the Guinness Book of World Records, they must have. It's not a book anymore, if there even is a book. It's like a database. It's in it's the cloud, database. right? Yeah. And how do they even decide what the categories are? It's like all you have to do is show up and say, I like, I have the biggest microphone stand. Yeah. And like suddenly you're in the Guinness Book of World Records. You make a new category. I think it's a racket. I think it's a good, like the good housing housekeeping seal of approval. I think you have to pay to get it evaluated and pay to I have it in so. the book. And that's how... Guinness doesn't make its money. Is it the same Guinness as the as the beer? I think it is. Yeah, yeah. they don't make their money from 
beer. They no, make their money from, from the world <laughs> rec- fake <laughs> world records. Okay, that's all I got on this. Nope, shut this down. Okay, no, um, absolutely I'm glad not. To, I'm glad to have brought you all of this interesting news from New Zealand, but, but now it's done. <laughs> if you're in New we do have listeners in New Zealand, we actually. We have a lot, actually. Yeah, yeah. so please... Uh, New Zealanders, tell tell your friends. Write a, write a review. <laughs> tell them the hottest source for New Zealand wildlife. Oh, news. remember that potato parcel thing that like we talked about once? Oh yeah, remind me. It's like they like <laughs> it's a business where you can get your face. Like, oh yeah, on a potato. On a potato. Yeah. Well, should... <laughs> it's a synergy. It's a... <laughs> we should get Doug's face on Doug. Yes, that would he be, would kill me. That would be I very think this valuable potato too. should be an NFT. It should be an it NFT. It should be on the blockchain, yes, right? Because yes, it's going to wither up and die. It's not really about the object. It's about the blockchain, about the chain of ownership it's of the like object. It's like ephemeral. Yes. Like Ozymandias. Ozymedia. Like that, <laughs> like <Ozymedia>. <laughs> like that <laughs> Shelley poem. Okay, okay, so speaking of Ozymedia... We uh, have talked about it a lot yes. the past few Are sessions. Are we still talking about it? No, we're talking about a topic that is near and dear to their hearts because they are no longer around to cover this topic, architecture. Yes. They well, love they like arch- architecture in Africa in particularly, Africa. which we support, uh, right. but an odd match for Aussie media. It's And an odd match for us. So we're going to be talking about the observation deck wars okay. in New York City. Yep. Okay. So I did not realize, Brian, what a big fucking deal observation decks are. Did big you business. Know that? I did big not. Business, yes. I mean, I guess every real estate developer wants one because they bring in money and. Well, I publicity. feel like there aren't that many. There's like the One World Trade and the Empire State and the Hudson Yards one now. Right, right. So, but like, apparently, like everybody wants in. It's on It's big this. money. It's big money, and because there's not enough places for tourists in New York to go, they need to start building platforms in the sky. Right, and it's also like it helps brand the building and right. gives it some cachet, you know. So, um, but now there's these like Johnny Come Lately buildings that want observation decks, just like the Empire State Building. So there's there was this great article in Curbed, and I was just cracking up. It was talking about this new feud between two dueling buildings one Vanderbilt and 30 Hudson Yards and they both open within the last couple of weeks so the ads are like for one Vanderbilt that's the one right by Graham Central that's huge right right it's like Stefan in (laughs) SNL it's like New York's most transformational (laughs) experience is Summit one Vanderbilt so that's what that's what it says that's a good name Right. So it says when you get up there to the observation deck on the 93rd floor, there's an immersive experience called (laughs) Air by Kenzo Digital. And the website says you emerge into a boundless, structureless world, one with its own (laughs) relationship to physics and time. (laughs) And its own interrelationship to physics. The laws of physics don't apply. They don't apply. <laughs> you go up this elevator. So getting there is terrifying. So this is how a writer from Curb said that the rattling elevator to the 90s. Oh, no. He said, it reminds me of a recurring nightmare that I have from time to time. And so it, apparently like the elevator rattles and shakes and makes you feel like something. Is it like is... a glass elevator where you feel like you can see everything? I don't think so. No, I think it has like I'm digital. I'm so scared of heights. When I went in the London Eye, yeah. when I started going up, I, I, you may have even been with me on that trip no i don't think you were i got so scared i laid down on the floor and covered my head and my eyes until we came back oh yeah again. i did that on the coney island ferris wheel <laughs> with aj ferris i was like hiding in aj's lap i was like 
Oh, I did it when we um, when we went to that castle in England. Remember, we went up like on the parapets. Yeah. And I was so terrified, I had to like duck down and like stay close to the ground. Yeah. What was it? Blenheim Palace. Warwick Palace. Warwick Palace. Okay. <laughs> That's Palace. Winston Churchill's birthplace, yes. right? We went there too. But we yes. Did, yes. Okay. So anyway, the biggest problem is that once you get into this boundless, structureless world where <laughs> physics <laughs> where does physics not does apply. not apply, the floors are actually mirrored. So if you're oh. wearing like if you're a woman in a skirt, <laughs> it's like basically just like sexual harassment central. Okay. So that's that. Not to be outdone. 30 Hudson Yards has this new experience called Edge, and it's billed as the ultimate skyscraper oh, adventure. Oh, ultimate. And it costs $185. No. I'm totally serious. 100- this isn't, because that's been up there for a while. Is this an experience this on experience top of that? This is an experience on top of it. Okay. Because so, it's not enough just to be on the on, on, the edge. on the edge. You have you to, be to be hanging be, over <laughs> the edge. Wait, you're hanging over yeah, the you're edge? Yeah, dangling. Oh my God, so. tell me. I, or don't tell me. So. I'm not sure I want to hear. <laughs> they say it won't be easy, but we promise it will be worth it. Okay, you cannot pay me enough to do what I'm about to I'm, describe. I don't so, want to hear it. So I'm, the building allows visitors to climb outside of the tower's peak. <laughs> the experience is known as the city climb, and it involves strapping into a safety harness for a 161-step <laughs> trek up an outdoor staircase where at the top visitors can lean back, like hovering over for a photo op. But they can't bring their own cameras because they charge you for the professional photographs on top of the ticket price. Oh, my God. Oh. Oh. So then you come down and they give you a glass of champagne. (laughs) (laughs) Is that included in the $185 or do you have to pay extra One glass. Not two. One. I'm sure it's like $8 Prosecco. So I don't know which one would you rather do. I'd rather do the mirrored floor one Vanderbilt. Summit one Vanderbilt. Summit one other Vanderbilt. than the climb at the end. The climb off the edge. Anyway. I won't even go up to them. <laughs> no, like, I know. I, don't I was wanna... at the World Trade Center when I was a kid, and that's the last big. Uh, I don't want to be thing. up there. Like I have no need to be. No, up there. I'm happy on the ground. Oh, this is the third floor. This is as far as I need it's to fine. go. Yeah. What? Yeah. My last office was on the 24th floor with that beautiful deck, and I'm like, that's nice, but enough. I now we're on the second floor, and I'm much happier. Yeah, it's much better. Jews shouldn't be that high up. <laughs> Definitely right? not. Like Masada is the They're highest. They're not we should meant go. to be that high. <laughs> We're a ground-dwelling people. We are. We are. We're not a seafaring people. We're not a skyscraping people. Our grandparents were sea, and great-grandparents were seafaring people. That's how they got here. But, but they us. were not happy about it. <laughs> they were reluctant. It wasn't entirely willingly all the time. So. Okay. No, nope. Shut those down. I have one more architecture story before we wrap up. Okay. Um, this is uh, <laughs> the other side of the country, um, Santa Barbara. Beautiful place. Beautiful place. And right near Montecito, right? Where the Harry and Meghan live and Oprah. Correct. And, and there's all the, all the wineries. Yeah, it's fantastic. Delightful. Right? Yeah. Um, so UCSB, University of California, Santa Barbara, is building a new dorm. It turns out that there's an acute housing problem mm-hmm. at UCSB. And they're building a new dorm for 4,500 students. In one dorm? In one dorm. Is it going to be like one, one Vanderbilt? <laughs> <laughs> They're going to make them in the hang middle off of, the edge. In the middle of Santa Barbara. Um, 1.68 million square feet. It will be the largest dorm in the world. Okay. Chancellor Henry Yang has says it says it is inspired and revolutionary. And it was designed... By the 97-year-old billionaire, 
turned amateur architect, <laughs> Charlie Munger. Wait, isn't this, he's like the Warren Buffett guy, yes, right? Yes, yes. Great. I can't think of anybody more. And an amateur architect. A visionary. It's a $1.5 billion product, a project, and he's donating $200 million of it. Okay. But there's just one catch. Oh, no. There's always a catch. He... <laughs> He drew up the blueprints, <laughs> and it has to be built exactly to, <laughs> to his Charlie, specifications. To 97-year-old Charlie Bunger's <laughs> specifications. And no one really knows what the Students of America needs and architectural <laughs> best practices than Charlie Munger. Okay, so. Has he ever designed anything before? Not He's to my like knowledge. He's just like going back. Not to He's my knowledge. Like, He's like, if I'm giving you $200 million, I want a building built before like, I, I die. He's like, I started dabbling at 96, <laughs> and now at 97. Like, couldn't you have just done oil painting <laughs> yeah, or something? Yeah, really, like or, a normal or person? ships in a bottle or something? Yeah, or, or draw the blueprints, but don't <laughs> Don't execute. actually insist that they make it. Well, he's insisting that they make it. Um, here's the problem with it, though. (laughs) I'm sure. Like, I don't even know. Does it have walls? Like, is it? It does have walls. In fact, it has too many walls. (laughs) The problem with the building is that only 6% of the dorm rooms have windows. 6%? (laughs) 6 So this is a dorm that is, like, antithetical to mental health, basically. Oh, wait. 94% (laughs) of the dorm rooms do not have windows. Even prison blocks have more windows, despite the fact that it is in this gorgeous coastal locale, Santa like one Barbara. of the most beautiful places like, in the world. Why do you even go to school in Santa Barbara if you don't want to see out a window? Furthermore, by his design, for 4,500 students, it has two entranceways. <laughs> what could Which possibly they, go wrong? They claim they have vetted for emergency egress. <laughs> No. But there's no. There's you imagine no. waiting for that elevator? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh. um, okay, so it has two entrances, and with those specs, it will be the eighth densest neighborhood in the world, right behind Dhaka, Bangladesh. But. <laughs> <laughs> It's just pastures and like beautiful landscapes. Seascapes and-, <laughs> and so forth. So Bangladesh, think the density of Bangladesh. And it's big enough that it could house all of Princeton University in one building. So what did people do when this a, was? There's a rooftop, except they say that it looks like uh, the ground in a desert. Like it's just like sand dunes. This sounds there. like the biggest waste of money and the worst idea. But it's his money. He could do whatever he wants. But with only two hundred. Two hundred. Yeah. Someone so else has got to cough up they, the rest I of it. I think they could just tell him to go fuck, fuck off, off <laughs> and keep the rest of it and build like a normal functional building. Okay. So there is a philosophy behind why to build a building like this. Okay. It is supposed to get you out of your room and socialize in common common areas. Right. Well, this will do that. <laughs> You're not going to want to spend any time in your room. Right. Right. And they say it will substantially improve the mental and emotional health of the students. No, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. I mean, I, I think they, they could put rats in the rooms. <laughs> and that would also <laughs> force them out of the rooms. Yes, absolutely correct. <laughs> and, and probably be more... Or exploding toilets. There's all kinds of ways. <laughs> They just have the toilets in the middle of the common room. That's way, you know, trans- yeah. transparency. Okay. So um, 
the most respected architect on the selection and whatever the committee for the university, uh-huh. Dennis McFadden, he promptly resigned. <laughs> He was like, I've never seen a plan so bad. He's like, this is an abomination. (laughs) Nope, I'm out. Okay, good for him. Um, But the university said, too bad. The plans are set in stone now. So in a follow-up, they realized that this this was such a brouhaha that they had to say something. So the spokesperson for the university, Andrea Estrada, said that they recognized that Munger Hall might not be for everybody. (laughs) That Munger Hall might only be for Munger. I think Munger <laughs> should be forced his, to live there. His strategy is that everybody moves out, and then he'll just buy it for cheap and turn it into like a, a prison, a for-profit prison. A for- <laughs> <laughs> That's the game plan. Get the other 1.3 million donors to cough up the majority of this. Yes. 200 million is pocket change for him. Get the students to rebel. Foreclose on it. <laughs> Buy it back for. Buy it back for ten million. <laughs> and then make it a private prison. That is. We figured it out. We see right through you, Charlie Munger. <laughs> Charlie Munger. But they also please. say it's better for COVID because people are isolated, and they say they're pumping in. No. <laughs> of the case here. They say they're pumping in fresh air, so don't worry, there will be oxygen for these inmates, I mean students. <laughs> okay. And then but they're also having virtual windows um where they will have fully programmed circadian rhythm. Uh and the common areas, don't worry, have significant access to natural light. Okay, this is like dystopian. <laughs> this is torture. And, yeah. This is torture. Uh, that was the first thing that came to mind. This is somewhere between like Squid Games and like The Circle on Netflix. Yes. Right, where you're sitting in a room by yourself and you can only talk to your computer. And you have no like air. And you have no air. <laughs> and then at some point you're going to like get shot for yeah. for picking the wrong marble or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. It's so terrible. Charlie Munger, stay in your lane. Like you're just. No, you've, this you've is not the legacy you want. You've. No. No. Just give it to just cancer. Just let someone else design. Stay in the, let the experts design. The, let the architects architect the building. Why is it that you give someone a billion dollars and suddenly they, they become think insane. they're an expert in all fields? Right. You give someone, you have to start someone, someone starts selling books, suddenly they're going to colonize the moon. Like, why? Just why do those books. two skills are not part of the same package? They are not. No. They are not. Shut it down. Shut nope. it down. No. Nope. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that, those were good notes. Uh, but that's the end of them. Now we're going to move to the upsies, a little razor light the little beacons yes. of hope that got us through the week um and here you are to tell me about yours in person yes my my yup is very family oriented this week my yup goes to my sister in berlin my Yay, sister is stephanie von Baer and her two business partners deborah Choi and alina bassi they started a nonprofit called founderland that helps women and particularly women of color entrepreneurs access capital and a community and they got a big grant this week from Google.org. There were like 8,000 applicants and only a handful got picked. And I'm very proud. And I think this is something that is very needed. So it's filling a great need for Berlin and Europe. And it's awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I wish we had something like that here. Yeah. I mean, good. That's fantastic. We're very proud of you, Steph. Um, <laughs> congratulations. I have a completely different yup. Okay. Um, I haven't done a song in a while. So I noticed that our songs that we pick for these things are kind of gendered. Like you did the Indigo Girls, you Closer did the to fine. yeah no you did uh, yeah you had an Indigo s- Girls song yeah. you had you wanted to do the Ad- you did the Adele 
Right. You did. Uh, you did Lady Gaga. Uh, oh yeah, uh, stupid love. Stupid love that I do love. But um, you did with that Robin song. Uh-huh. So I have a. It's it's kind of a. A, a mask song. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, it's called Dirty, and it's by an artist named Grandson. Okay. And he's uh, I'm gonna play it as the outro. Okay, great. As is my want, and uh, he's a Canadian artist. And the song starts, and it sounds like it has a really hard edge. If you listen to the lyrics, it's actually like about political activism and peace and love. Uh-huh. <clears throat> um, but then in the chorus, is he's sort of like half sung, half rap, and uh, and then in the chorus, there's this breakdown that I'll play. Where from this hard edge thing, it suddenly goes into this like 1940s electro swing jam. Oh. And in the video, they like dance around to it in this like super catchy da- dance. And I'm really excited. I'm obsessed with it. I play it when I run, when I work out. It's um, it's a real bop. Do the okay, kids still good. say that? I bop? I will definitely. I'll put it on my playlist. All and right. I'll run to it. Okay. Yes, well, great. you'll hear it in a second. Maybe it's your thing. Maybe it's not. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? We, we can, we we can only explore. speculate. We have to explore. <laughs> we must spread our wings. <laughs> okay. So thank you for listening. Um, if you have enjoyed this podcast, please, I, I always save this to the end, but I'll start with it. Tell your friends in person. Now that we're beginning to see each other more in person, I'm going to the office every day. Yeah. Grab their phone, open the podcast app, and That's subscribe what I do. them. Because people say they're going to do it and then they're like what was the name of that podcast and, and they I just forget take about their it. phone and i subscribe them and also if you're into it give us a review on um itunes yeah so, rating yeah. that's how we're on all the platforms spotify yeah. and stuff but really apple is Ap- the, like, like we get 80 percent of our yeah. our listenership from there um cool so um the other public services announcement is um as soon as balloting opens for next year's new zealand bird of the year oh, we yeah, will let gonna, you know we're gonna we're gonna flood the voting box or I will research or ask Karen what the best New Zealand bird or bat is. Kookaburra, right? Or is that Australia? I don't know. I think it's a word you just keep saying. (laughs) Is it even a bird? It's a bird. Okay. Well, we'll look into it. It's also a licorice named after the bird. Oh, okay. That's why I know what it is. Okay. It might be Australian, in which case the Kiwis will be offended. Okay. Okay. Anyway, it has been a terrible, terrible week, but we have enjoyed making this podcast in person. Thank you for listening. Look forward to speaking with you again i never said that before chatting chatting again we're (laughs) chatting with each other we'll chat with you as well thank you for listening this has been nope the podcast where we shut it down